You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 12, 2019. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter. Or at uh, You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Magic's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll talk about the revitalized offense and Terrence Ross, the human torch himself, on a tear. Talk about all that coming up on today's show. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a great podcast covering the Orlando Magic in this excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Want the latest on the Anthony Davis saga and how the New Orleans Pelicans are coping? Locked On Pelicans is your place. They do a great job covering the Pelicans. I've listened to their show from time to time. You want the national perspective? You check out Locked On NBA and or Locked On Fantasy Basketball for your fantasy perspective too. All these great podcasts and more can be found on iTunes. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for or tell whatever smart device you're using, whether it's at home or in the car, to search for Locked On to play podcasts, Locked On and the team you're looking for. Whether it's NBA, MLB, NFL, or college, the Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. The Orlando Magic complete this three-game road trip in New Orleans, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans, and it'd be one thing to talk about the game and, the, and this Pelicans team, a dangerous offensive team with a lot of shoot, with a lot of good offensive players in Drew Holiday and especially Anthony Davis. Julius Randle's been on his tears as well. They had Nikola Mirotic; he's obviously gone, but the team that the Pelicans are now is not the team they've been for most of the season. Yeah, they have a lot of weapons, and, and no, the Magic shouldn't take any team lightly. They know that. But regardless of whether Anthony Davis plays or how much Anthony Davis plays, this is still a dangerous Pelicans team that can score with a lot with a, with anyone really. There's some reports that Alfred Payton might be back from an injury for this game. I'm sure he would like to play in this game. But the Magic are not the main story when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Really, the main story whenever you talk about the Pelicans these days is the ongoing Anthony Davis saga. If you've been living under a rock for the last two weeks, Anthony Davis formally requested a trade just before the trade deadline, clearly in hopes of forcing a move to someplace else. It seemed like the Los Angeles Lakers were the preferred destination, or the Lakers at least were the most aggressive team pursuing him. They offered the world. The Pelicans weren't impressed. Someone leaked said offer to the press. And now everyone's sniping at each other. This all happened, mind you, while Davis was hurt, so he was not playing. The Pelicans actually removed him from their pregame video, their pregame hype video. He's back in it now, and he's back in the lineup. But the question now is, how much is Davis going to play? Yeah, he's coming back from injury, so maybe that's why his minutes are down, but there seems to be an overall plan to play Davis about 25 to 30 minutes a game and maybe even to hold him out of back-to-backs. There's talk now that the Pelicans are clearly moving on from Davis likely this summer that they're going to start playing young guys ahead of Davis. Davis is going to play. Don't get that wrong. Alvin Gentry has said it already. Anthony Davis will play in Tuesday's game. The question is how much? How long will he play? And then probably the bigger question, 
can the Orlando Magic still take advantage? The Orlando Magic obviously don't have a player of Anthony Davis's caliber. He makes their offense work. He is a, a true unicorn, an extremely difficult player. And even if you stuck Aaron Gordon, who's played great defensively, or Jonathan Isaac, who's played great defensively late on him, who knows what would happen? Who knows if they'd be able to slow him down? Davis has had plenty of big games against the Magic already in his career. So New Orleans might provide the best defense the Magic have against him by limiting his minutes. New Orleans' statistical profile is a strange one. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. Otherwise, you know, their effective field goal percentage is similar to the Magic's. Their uh, turnover rate similar to the Magic's. They're, they're, uh, you know, they get to the line a little bit more, but they're, they're not too dissimilar. In fact, the teams have the same exact record at 25-32. and 32. Hard to believe that, that the Magic have the same record as the New Orleans Pelicans. But Davis is truly a big playmaker and a big difference maker. When he was in the game for the Pelicans in their last two losses, one to Minnesota, one to Memphis, they were a significantly better team. And the longer he plays, the better chance New Orleans has to win because the Magic simply do not have a player of Anthony Davis's caliber. They do not have a guy who, when he is dialed in and ready to go, to dominate games. And Anthony Davis will be an all-star at this weekend's all-star festivities. Uh, but you look at his last two games that's coming back from the injury since the trade deadline passed. Played 24 minutes, didn't play in the third quarter against Minnesota, which actually was a New Orleans win. I apologize for getting that wrong. 11 for 15, 32 points, 9 rebounds. Against Memphis the next night, he had... He played nearly 34 minutes, 14 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, but just 8 field goals. There does seem to be a little bit of tension, and New Orleans lost that game, one of their worst offensive games of the year. So if Orlando can find a way to limit his touches, they have a better chance, obviously. Orlando has to hope that it's a game where New Orleans decides to scale back Davis's minutes for whatever reason. Can't assume that they're going to do that, though. And Orlando has to enter this game ready to play Anthony Davis like he's going to get his full slate 35, 36 minutes, 37 minutes even. New Orleans needs him that bad if they want to make a run at the playoffs. They're not as close as the Magic. And, you know, while they're not tanking, it seems like they're more focused on their future and planning for the future, only playing Davis because they don't want to get fined. It's probably not in their best interest to let him play too much because he could get hurt and they could lose him. Everyone knows what he is in this league. It's just a matter of having him play and develop the way that the Magic want or that the Pelicans want him to. So this game really does revolve around what Anthony Davis does. Orlando's playing some great offense right now. If they play with the same offensive precision and execution that they've been playing for the last little bit, they'll score against this New Orleans defense. Yeah, Davis might make a few defensive plays, but for the most part, this is a poor New Orleans defensive team. In fact, New Orleans is 22nd in the league in defensive rating at 111.4. I would like to pause here to mention Orlando is up to 12th in the league in defensive rating at 108.4. It's been a really, really big rise for Orlando. In fact, as I'll talk about here in a moment, their offense is up to 106, which is 23rd in the league, but making progress. The Pelicans, though, have one of the best offenses in the league. Fifth, fifth in the league in offensive rating at 112.6 points per 100 possessions. They do outscore opponents. They have the firepower to outscore opponents. They have the player to do it. And so Orlando's got to be locked in defensively like they've been for the last two games against the Hawks, a weak opponent, 
and against the Bucks, a team without Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Magic are on this three-game win streak. They've made some big strides. They're two games back of the final playoff spot right now. This is the kind of game they have to win. Just from a global perspective, if Orlando wants to make a playoff push, if Orlando wants to really call itself a playoff team, and I know I've said I see a playoff team in them, this is the kind of game they have to win. Close out a road trip, go 3-0 on this road trip, one more game to the All-Star break, win that, go on a five-game win streak heading into the All-Star break would be a huge boost of confidence for this team, especially going up against two teams that you're essentially equal to. New Orleans at 25-32 and 32 and Charlotte now at, I believe, 28-28 and 28 or 29-28. and 28. 27 and 29, excuse me, Charlotte's 27 and 29. So Orlando has a lot of incentive to win this game, and this is certainly a game that I think they'll need their focus if they want to win. Tip-off is at the Smoothie King Center at 8 o'clock. Orlando taking on New Orleans. It'll be on Fox Sports Florida. And of course, we'll have complete coverage on orlandomagicdaily.com as well as here on the podcast on Locked On Magic tomorrow. Like I said, there are some trends that are happening and worth watching. Orlando, like I said, is 23rd in the league overall in offensive rating, 106 points per 100 possessions, which is certainly creeping up. The Magic were hovering at like 26, 27 for most of the season. Uh, Like I said, their defense has crept up from like 16th and like the middle to 12th. They're almost a top 10 defense now. Uh, And it's, it's been kind of a progression. Orlando's had some good offensive moments in the past. So, it is important to note this too. When the Magic got hot in in January or in November and December, and made their little push to to get kind of the base that they've been been growing off of, it was because they had a nice little offensive surge. And, and no one's under the impression that Orlando is going to be a super strong offensive team ever. They're not going to average 115 points per 100 possessions. It's just it's just not in their DNA. It's it, they don't have the players to do it. But they they're certainly capable of being a competent offensive team. We've seen. When they move the ball like they've been moving it, when they get into the rhythm rhythm that they've been getting into, uh, just having Jonathan Isaac provide a little bit more consistency on offense, having Isaiah Briscoe push the pace a little bit more off the bench with the bench players, having Evan Fournier start starting to hit shots a little bit more consistently has been a huge boost for the Orlando Magic. So we look at this trend that the Magic are in, that that they're they're starting to shoot up the rankings a little bit. And it's really because their offense has taken a major turn. Fed in part by their defense, but their defense is also fed in part by their offense. Over their last 10 games, Orlando's still 21st in the league in offensive rating, so they're not killing the world by any stretch of the imagination. But they have a 108.4 uh, offensive rating. So in the last 10 games, they've been nearly two points per 100 possessions better offensively. And while that's not impressive, I mean, they're not super impressive. In fact, Over the last 10 games, they've actually had the same offensive rating as the Pelicans, who've struggled a little bit offensively with Anthony Davis out of the lineup. It's not incredibly impressive that the uh, the Magic's scoring overall. They still have their duds. They still have their poor games. I mean, even uh, over the weekend, uh, they they scored only 104 points or 106 points against Milwaukee. They weren't killing it offensively, I would say. And they still had that game against Brooklyn a while back where they weren't killing it offensively. But what's important now and what's happening now is Orlando is finding consistency. They're moving the ball more effectively. They're getting inside and getting into the paint, which I'll talk about here in a moment as well. They're doing the things that Steve Clifford has long said they have to do to have success offensively. And not only that, not only are they having that success offensively, 
they're making shots, which they were struggling with throughout January. And that's that's done something else. It's given them the ability to set their defense, so they're not relying on transition defense, which they've struggled with this year. And their defense has improved even more dramatically. Over the last 10 games, Orlando's 105.8 defensive rating is fifth in the league. Over the last 10 games, the Magic have had the fifth best defense in the league. Their plus 2.6 net rating is 13th in the league. Not impressive again. Their offense is still an issue and still something that, that needs consistency, but still pretty darn good. What's the cause of this? Why is Orlando playing a lot better? It's not just about making shots. Making shots is important. But it's about something else that that uh, Steve Clifford talks about a lot. It's about paint touches. It's kind of basketball 101. It's, it, this, is, this is a, well, duh moment. Duh point. Get the ball into the paint. The center of the lane causes the defense to collapse and opens up passing lanes out to the outside for open threes or driving lanes to the basket where you're hitting easier shots. Getting the ball into the paint, this this area that's designated as the paint, is vital to a successful offense. And since Orlando doesn't have a guy that can break you down one-on-one off the dribble and get into the paint himself, they rely heavily on passing and pick and rolls to get them there. They need to find... The magic struggle on offense is always a struggle to get into the lane and create a little havoc because they don't have someone that can do it himself. You can see a good correlation between some of the best offenses and teams that get in the paint a lot. Orlando is roughly in the middle of the league in paint touches. 23.3 paint touches per game according to Second Spectrum on NBA.com. Orlando scores 20.6 points off those paint touches, which is slightly below average for the league. And, of course, they get 88.2% of their shots off of... uh, 88.2% of their points off of some type of paint touch. If I'm not mistaken. Or they score on 88.2% of the times that they get paint touches. So it's it's a highly effective mode for Orlando to score. So again, 23.3 paint touches per game. 19, uh, 20.6 points per game off of paint touches. You go to the last 10 games. Orlando's paint touches are up to 26.2. And they're scoring 24.8 points per game off paint touches. It's little things. Little things go a long way. Because they're also getting to the line more. The Magic are no longer last in the league in free throw rate. They're getting the ball out to the perimeter for open shots more. Again, all these things add up. All these things begin to multiply and grow and create a more effective offense. Is the Magic's offense good? No. Not I would say it's good, but not at the elite, not at the level the Magic needed at. I remember Steve Clifford said at the beginning of the season, in order for the Magic to be successful this year, they're going to need a top 10 defense and probably a top half offense. You do that, you're in the playoffs. The Magic are getting closer and closer to that top 10 defensive goal. And I would argue that the, the recent offensive surge or that the Magic have had relatively is really supporting that defense. And the defense has gotten better, although it's had its weak moments over the last few games. But it's still the offense that's holding this team back. 
They're in a hot streak right now. They're making outside shots. How long is that going to last? And that's a fair question to ask. Because it's still about adding shooters and adding uh, creators that this team needs. It's, I think it's one of the reason, reasons why Markel Fultz, not only because of his immense talent, but he's a shot maker. He's a shot creator. When he get at his best or at his potential best. And I think that's what the Magic are really looking for right now. And they're hoping they found it in him. But I wouldn't count on it so much this season. I, I'm, I'm not... I, I'm not counting to, to see Markel Fultz this season. We, we may. I'm not saying it's impossible, but but I'm not. I'm working under the assumption that that they're going to let him work out, work on himself for the rest of the season, bring him back at the beginning of next year or sooner. Who knows? So there's still an offensive problem, but it is getting better. The Magic are doing enough to get wins. They're five and five in their last ten games, which isn't maybe saying much, but again, they've won five of their last six games. So they're they're clearly trending up, trending in a upward direction, heading into the All Star break. And as much as the team's overall offense has improved, a big reason for the Magic's offensive surge comes from a guy everyone loves on this Magic team, and that's Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross, we all know, is a big Marvel fan, a big comic book fan in general, and he has solicited fans to or asked a fan a, he asked fans what his nickname should be or someone asked him what his nickname should be and he came up with the human torch and this has caught like wildfire pun intended there are so many great fan gra- fan illustrations of Terrence Ross as the human torch that Chris Evans is probably a little jealous although he may have given up that title and I, I I don't know what uh, blanking on his name now. I I'm sorry. I, I should have thought about this before I made the joke. I, I don't know what the other actor is. Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan. There you go. I don't know what Michael B. Jordan thinks, but I'm sure he would approve of Terrence Ross taking on the mantle of the Human Torch. Remember, Chris Evans became Captain America, and Michael B. Jordan became uh, Killmonger, probably one of the best comic book villains on film in history. So, Terrence Ross is good company. And he's certainly the best version of the Human Torch that we've seen on film. See what I did there? Terrence Ross for the season is averaging 14.7 points per game. We know that's a career high for him. He's shooting 38.1% from beyond the arc. Uh, We know that he is very much a candidate. I don't know if he's the favorite but a candidate to win the Sixth Man of the Year award. He deserves to be in that conversation. He's been absolutely vital to the team as much as DJ Augustin, as much as Nikola Vucevic, as much as Aaron Gordon. He is one of the four most important players to this team's success this year. When he struggles, the team tends to struggle. If anything, because of the Magic's lack of of shooting, lack of depth, just his presence on the floor causes defenses to react to him. And that frees up everyone else. And he's been put into a lot of bad lineups that he's had to carry off that bench. And Ross has done it. And so you look at what he's done recently, it only gets better. As the Magic have surged a little bit offensively in the last 10 games, Terrence Ross has too. In his last 10 games, he's averaging 18.4 points per game. Shooting 37.9% from beyond the arc on 8.7 three-point attempts per game. And just adding that kind of flamethrower 
human torch that the Magic need. Orlando in a, has not had in a very long time, you know, maybe since J.J. Redick would probably be it. A guy off the bench, and J.J. Redick started, so it may not be him. A guy off the bench who just catches fire, that just changes the mood of a game entirely because he can hit a shot at any moment. And when he hits one shot, it becomes two, becomes three, becomes four, becomes five, becomes six, becomes seven, becomes eight. He makes his shots in a hurry. He makes them in bunches. It's kind of strange that he'd only had one 30-plus point game before last week, before two weeks ago. It was that 50-point game that everyone loves to point out with him. He's saved a lot of games for Orlando. He's made a lot of big shots, but Orlando knows how valuable that is. They obviously valued it because they decided not to trade him at the trade deadline when he's a free agent this summer and very realistically could be gone. And I know a lot of Magic fans want to re-sign him. You know, who knows where his head's at. He's probably not even thinking about free agency too hard. Magic, I'm sure, have thought about what they're willing to pay him and it's going to be a tricky proposition to figure out what to pay him this summer. But that's for later. For now, Orlando knows that they don't have a chance to make the playoffs, to compete for what they want to compete for without Terrence Ross. And I think that's reason number one why they kept him. You know, maybe if push came to shove, they would have traded Terrence Ross for Mark Helfels. It's very, I mean, there are, there are plenty of reports out there that the original parameters of the deal did involve Ross. And it came down to draft compensation that the Magic were willing to give up with Ross. And eventually they brought it down to Simmons because they'd rather have the draft compensation, which, you know, we'll see how that works out for Philadelphia. But trading Ross, to me, would have signaled that the Magic were done going for the playoffs because without Ross, they have no scoring punch off their bench. Without Ross, they need Markel Fultz to play immediately. And if he's not ready to do that, then the Magic are going to lose a lot of games. The playoff dreams are over. And the Magic, like I've said leading up to the trade deadline, were not ready to do that. The Magic were not ready to give up on those hopes. Because they know how valuable that is to them and what that will mean to guys like Isaac and Gordon and, and Fournier and even Vucevic if they decide to keep him. I mean, you can you could feel, honestly, like you could feel the, the, the excitement about having these games have some meaning. The, just the drive to play for something, something meaningful. It's, it's refreshing, honestly. And Ross has had such a huge hand in that. Ross has been in a lot of bad lineups, so you don't want to look too much at his on-off numbers. But in, his la- in the last five games, the Magic are plus 5.8 per game with him on the floor. His last 15 games, he's averaging 18 points per game, shooting 44% from the floor, 36.3% from beyond the arc. Most of his shots are threes, and plus 1.8 per game. As he's picked things up, and as, as other players off the bench have gotten comfortable, like Isaiah Briscoe and, and Ken Birch and Wessel Wundu, Ross has gotten better. He's been a benefit of the young players' growth as much as anyone, and he's probably been a big reason why they've had the space to grow. And that's why the Magic kept him. It's not just about playoffs. It's, it's the space he gives everyone to develop. And, you know, if, if the Magic do lose Ross this summer, priority number one is finding someone who can at least replicate some of what he can do off the bench. 
even if it's bringing Evan Fournier out, down down to the bench to and finding someone to start in his place. Because Ross is still finishing games, as, as, as he should at this point. I mean, I think there are some moments where maybe you can finish with Isaac over Ross, but Ross should be finishing games. Even if he's shooting poorly, he should be finishing games. Because he's that valuable with his just sport ability to make shots, his ability to become the human torch, to flame on and just destroy teams. The Magic understood that value and they held on to it at the trade deadline. And they're a better team for it. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr__omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have a complete recap of tomorrow of tonight's game against the New Orleans Pelicans on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Remember, that game tips off at 8 o'clock at the Smoothie King Center. It'll be on Fox Sports Florida here in Orlando, as well as NBA League Pass elsewhere. You'll get your complete recap on Locked on Magic, as well as orlandomagicdaily.com tomorrow. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.